What's up, Griggs? Pastor Mitch here. And we want to welcome you to our service this morning. Thank you so much for coming and being with us. Glad to have you hop on here. Um, first of all, if you're new, we do want to welcome you. If you're a visitor, if you're watching this and you're not familiar with our church, never been here before, um, or uh, we've never met, thank you for coming. We love you already. We have a connect card for you. We have a visitor card for you online at griggschurch.com slash guest. And we'd love to have you fill that out so we can get to know you and we can follow up with you. And we'll honestly talk your ear off about Jesus, our church, and how you're doing. Um, additionally, for those of you who are regular, since this is a lot different than normal, you're not here, uh, you're at home. Uh, we have a guide for you to stay focused during this worship service. It's a service guide for the morning worship, and you can find that at grigschurch.com blog. It's the first post, and if you go there, you can see all the things we're doing today. Read along, sing along, and um, study along as we preach the word with that service guide. Uh, additionally, today is going to be even more different uh, in the sense that we're doing things, uh, we're doing something new, really. Um, originally, at the beginning of the year, when we planned out 2020, um, we decided that our vision this year would be very focused on discipleship. We are really geared up as a church for outreach. We love reaching new people. We love the lost. We love sinners. We love bad people. We want to give them good news because that's our story. Uh, but we also need to disciple one another. And in that vein, what we decided at the beginning of the year was that every fifth Sunday throughout the year would be a special time of prayer. The disciples came to Jesus as they were being discipled, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray, and he was glad to do so. And we want to teach each other to pray. We want to be a people of prayer. That's part of discipling one another, is being in prayer together. And so this originally on the calendar was a fifth Sunday prayer service, a new thing we've never done, and we've never done it. This is our first time. Welcome. You're making history by just showing up. And the idea is this service is going to be dedicated to prayer. We're going to have several different prayers, only a couple of songs, and I'm going to preach a message on prayer uh, this morning. And so this is Greg's first ever prayer service, and it's our first ever only online service. Now, I know you've probably seen me the last couple of weeks in my office talking to my computer like a crazy man, um, and that's been fun. I actually enjoy it. But today we're at the building and we have some of our leaders here who are gonna help guide the service along. Um, and uh, they miss you, we know you miss them, so it'll be good to sort of see each other today. With that said, we're gonna get right into this prayer service. And because God is so worthy, we're gonna start with a prayer of praise to him. We have so much to be thankful for. And we need to vocalize all of those things to him for his glory and for our good from our soul to his ear we need to give him great praise and so we're going to do that now through prayer one of our leaders in our church and my friend Aubrey is going to come up and he's going to lead us in a prayer of praise and right after he is done praying Chet and Jesse will be up to lead us in come thou fount thank you guys for being here let's get started Hey, Griggs family, we hope and pray that everyone is doing well through this time. Uh, Jesse and I really miss you guys. We really miss worshiping with you. And just a verse really quick from Isaiah 25, because we're going to talk about, we're going to pray.
It says, O Lord, thou art my God. I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things. Let's pray. Dear God, we come for you today, Lord, in a time of uh, great crisis in uh, the world and as the virus goes around. Um, but Lord, we know that you are still sitting on the throne. Lord, that you are watching over us, that you are um, protecting us, Lord. Lord, that we know that you uh, have complete control and a plan over our lives, Lord. And Lord, I just want to praise you and thank you for, number one, the greatest gift of all, which is salvation. Lord, uh, there's been a crisis in the world for since time began, almost, Lord, that sin has entered the world, Lord, and man has been infected by, um, by Satan and by sin, Lord, but you sent your son to die on the cross to give us um, the cure for sin, Lord, that we might spend eternity with you. Lord, I thank you for um, all your many blessings on our lives, Lord, here at Griggs. We have great leadership. We have great family, Lord, here at Griggs, and I just thank you and I praise you for that. Lord, you've, you've given us more than what we need, Lord, even in a time of crisis. A lot of us are uh, still able to get online and to be able to uh, interact with one another, Lord, and we thank you for that. Lord, a lot of us have uh, been able to keep our jobs, Lord, and through that you've allowed us to be able to help others that may not be so fortunate in that. And I thank you for uh, your provision there. Lord, I thank you for being our help in a time of struggle. Lord, I know that uh, as, a, as a people we will get through this time. Lord, and it is uh, only by your grace, um, Lord, that, that we'll be able to, to do that. And I just pray that we'll be able to take this time. I've seen a lot of people come together and rally around um, each other, Lord, and be able to. We've lifted up your name, uh, it seems like, online. And uh, when we see other people, we've, we've talked about how great you've been through this time. And. And we've talked about how we just need to put our faith in you and that you will get us through this time, Lord. And uh, I know that is true, Lord, but I pray that as we exit out of this time and, and get through this crisis, Lord, that we won't stop that, Lord. This will uh, give us a fire to keep continuing on, Lord. You have uh, you've sent your son, Lord, to die on the cross that we might spend eternity with you. And we can't thank you enough for that, Lord. And I praise you. I praise your name. I thank you. And pray all these things in your name. Amen. Morning, Griggs family. It is so good to be with you, all of you here this morning. We have such a privilege to be able to worship together freely and openly and praise our great God. We're going to sing a couple songs this morning, and I would encourage you to sing along just as if you were sitting here with us in church. The first song we're going to sing is Come Now Fount, and I know all of y'all know this. It's one of our favorite songs. It might seem weird, but if you're sitting there with your phone or on your computer, sing along, sing loud. We have such a great God and so much to be thankful for, and we want to worship him this morning. Let's sing together. Come Now Fount. Come thou fountain of every blessing to 
church um, and then after I finish praying Jesse's going to pray for some specific needs and specific uh, people as well so let's pray Jesus we thank you today for Griggs we thank you for Poe Mill we thank you that we have the opportunity to serve you to worship you as a church family I pray that Griggs would continue to grow in knowledge of your word and love of you and who you are and what you've done for us. I pray that Griggs would come together even closer through this tough time as a church family. I pray that we would be there to encourage one another, to text, to call, to really act out being a church that has your back. This is a time of uncertainty, of difficulty, of anxiety. I pray that you would strengthen our church through this challenge and that you would show yourself as mighty, as loving, as God, as the God that we worship. We thank you for every member in our church and each thing that they do to serve you through the church. We thank you for all the opportunities that we have. We pray that we would continue to reflect your grace, your goodness, your love, your majesty. And we pray that as we have these services online, that they would spread farther throughout Greenville, throughout the world, and just proclaim you, God, as the one we worship. Thank you so much for all you do in your name. Father, we just come before you and we thank you for 
uh, just even the age that we're in where we are able to do this, we are still able to meet together uh, through technology. We thank you for just the opportunity to still worship, to still pray, to know that you hear us even when we cannot all gather together and sing together, yet we are still able to uh, have knit hearts and to honor you through this. Father, we just specifically uh, raise up the college students to you and we ask that you would encourage them through this time, even though they were sent home early, that they would be diligent, that they would be intentional, that they would just accomplish what you've laid before them, their current calling, which is to finish out their semester strong to the best of their ability, that they would do so um, while they serve their families, while they love their neighbors, while they uh, seek to bless whatever local church they're a part of, I pray that you would just encourage them. I also just want to raise up to you the teachers who are walking through this really new season of learning. A lot of them will be learning how to teach online, how to keep up with their students, um, especially even teachers that teach younger classes. I just ask that you would give them wisdom and discretion, that they would know how to honor you, um, specifically even the teachers in this church, our Greeks teachers. They're um, such a blessing, such a gift, those who have chosen to sacrifice uh, their life to teach the next generation about you. And I just pray that you would equip them with what they need and that they would just honor you and that they would love you, that they would praise you through this time, even with the extra difficulty, and that they would just continue to be diligent to be servants. And um, Lord, we also want to just bring before you the people who have been laid off, who currently are out of work, that you would fill their heart with immense peace and joy and praise, and that they would be able to just cry out to you with the physical world of things, that they would just know that you are a God who provides, that you are a God who is with them, that you are walking through this time with them, that you, at a time when you were walking on earth, didn't have a place to lay your head. And so we just want to say that, God, we love you and we are wanting to draw together as the body of Christ and help one another. I pray that you would just reveal the needs of the families who um, do have fathers and mothers who have been laid off, that we would be able to rally around them, that we would be able to uh, feed them and make sure they are housed and clothed. And I pray that you would just reveal those needs to those um, who still do have work, that we can just come together and be and act as the body of Christ. Father, we also just want to pray for the nurses and the medical workers who are in this crazy, crazy time of most likely a lot of discouragement, a lot of just wondering and uncertainty and not knowing, you know, what the next day holds for them and who they're going to come in contact with. I pray that you would protect them. I pray that you would give them discretion and wisdom as they deal with uh, those who have either been tested positive for the virus or even just the rest of the cases that they deal with day in and day out, that you would give them immense grace and that they would show such love and that especially the medical workers within Griggs, Father, we just thank you so much for those um, specific people that have been serving every day. We pray that you would protect them. We just thank you so much for this time. We love you and we praise you and uh, we just ask that you would meet with us today in Jesus' name. Today, we are talking about confident prayer. 
We have a God, by God's grace, we have a God that we can be confident in. He is, in and of himself, truly trustworthy. Psalm 17, 7 says, He saves by the right hand those who put their trust in him. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see, the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that takes refuge in him. Today I want to talk about having confidence in him, particularly having confidence in our prayers to him and in our time with him. I'll start with this thought. I know that as human beings, we love, generally speaking, to be invited. I love to be invited. You love to be invited. Almost no matter what it is, we like to just be thought of, included, invited. Now, I'm sure you could think of a couple things you don't want to be invited to. Like me as well, right? A distant cousin's graduation, that really weird coworker's birthday where anything could happen. I know, right? There's some things you want to be left out of. But most of the time, 90, 95% of the time, we want to be invited. Many of you know I'm really not the outdoorsy type, right? I like to go on long hikes or hunt animals. I like to eat what others hunt, uh, but uh, me, myself, I'm more into the great indoors. However, I got a lot of friends who are really into the outdoors and they're really into, you know, hunting and so forth, and they invite me. And though I'm sure to turn down that invitation, I'm glad to be invited. I like that they think of me, invite me, include me. We all kind of have this in us somewhere. We want to be invited. So here's a question for us. What is the greatest invitation we've ever received? What's the most gracious, the most exciting invitation we have ever received? Well, you've probably guessed it because we're in church. The answer is the invitation of Jesus. Right? All who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. He stands at the door and knocks. Anyone's welcome to open. He offers living water that has invited us to partake forever. The greatest invitation we've ever received is the invitation to the family of God through the reconciliation made possible by the work of Jesus. We have been invited into salvation. Praise God. Hallelujah. God invites us into his family, gives us his last name, his kingdom, his home in heaven, his eternal life. He invites us to it. Now, couched in that invitation is another great, gracious, and exciting invitation. And that is the invitation to pray. The invitation into the throne room of God anytime for any reason. 1 Peter 5, 8, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. We have been invited into his room. We have been invited into his court. We have been invited into his house. We have been invited to come along with him at any time for any reason. We're invited to pray, and that, when we are truly overtaken with it, we realize is awesome. In the truest sense of the word, we have an awesome invitation, the invitation to pray. Now, like me in the outdoors, many of us don't always accept the invitation to pray. We're not always ready, willing, or mindful 
to accept that invitation. We go days without accepting this invitation. Perhaps we go months without accepting this invitation, truly accepting it with our heart. And we have to ask ourselves why this great invitation, this exciting invitation, this epic invitation, the biggest, best, baddest invitation we got, why it lays unopened in front of us. I have to ask myself why I neglect to pray. When I neglect to pray, why do I neglect to pray? When I forget to pray, what makes me forget to pray? When I refuse to pray, why do I refuse to pray? I have to ask myself this question. You have to ask yourself that question. As I ask myself this question, I come up with this answer, and that is that to some degree, I lack a confidence in prayer. Perhaps if you search your heart, you'll find that to some degree, you lack a confidence in the power, the purpose, the pleasure of prayer. Perhaps somewhere deep down, we're not confident that praying will actually do anything. Perhaps somewhere deep down, we're not confident that we're even clean enough to pray, for we lose sight of how clean the blood of Christ actually has made us. Perhaps somewhere deep down, we're not confident that God actually desires to see us approaching his throne at an inopportune time with a request we're not even that confident is what we need. There is a lack of confidence somewhere in this great invitation to pray. Now, I believe that the Father, in his foresight, his ability to see into the future, to be in the future, to own the future, has sprinkled throughout his scriptures different verses at different times in different contexts and different passages that encourage confidence in our prayers when we are deceived into losing that confidence. Not only throughout the scriptures has he invited us to pray, but outside of those invitations, he's assured us that these invitations are worthwhile, that they are valid invitations, that these are not courteous invitations to pray, like, I gotta, ask, I gotta invite everyone to pray, so you're included, just to be courteous, or just to be polite, God's letting us know we can pray if we need to, kind of like a southerner who says, hey, y'all come back now, you hear, which typically means we are keeping the next gathering as vague as possible so we have time to come up with an excuse to get out of it, but let's be polite. Yeah, come on back. It's not like God's politely inviting us to pray, courteously inviting us to pray, or inviting us to some perfection to where you can pray when you know you have the perfect prayer to pray at the perfect time for the perfect motive. But he's actually genuinely trying to inspire us to accept the invitation with confidence over and over in the scriptures, imploring us, reminding us, telling us, no, you can come boldly before the throne of grace to receive help in the time of need. Like, I'm serious about this. I offer to you a real and genuine relationship through prayer. One of the verses that he's given us that should boost our confidence in the power, the purpose, the pleasure of prayer is 1 John 5. In 1 John 5, 14 and 15, we read, This is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we've asked of him. This verse is what I'm talking about. It's not only an invitation to pray, but this verse is an assurance that your prayer matters. It's starting, the, the very verse starts with, be confident. And this is our confidence that we have toward him, that when we ask, he hears, he listens, he acts on our prayers. He's approachable. He's ready. He's willing. He's listening. He's answering. Hallelujah. We can be confident in our prayers. Now, some of you are like me in that you are classic overanalyzers. And you got OCD and you saw that phrase according to his will in this verse. And I don't know if it's a Western thing or an American thing or a millennial thing, but as soon as we see a stipulation, we get very nervous, right? So, okay, he'll hear me, he'll answer me, he'll help me if I pray according to his will. And then we want to scour to find the answer to the obvious question, well, how do I know I'm praying according to his will? And instead of being boosted in our confidence that this verse was inspired to give us, we actually have a question mark from our own heart. Well, we're going to spend the rest of the message answering the question, how can we be confident we're praying in the will of God? But I want to start with just a couple of reminders, thoughts that should quell the fears enough so that you can listen to the rest when we dive a little deeper. Let's just kind of wade into this for a second. Just get our feet in. What does it mean to pray in the will of God? See, many of you pray in the will of God or you pray according to the will of God and you're not even fully aware that you're doing it. You've just simply been discipled into praying according to the will of God by osmosis. You've been saved, baptized, you are now being discipled, you're in the church, you're listening to others pray and you're praying like them and you're praying like them according to the will of God. Let me give you some examples that are easy to understand. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, what he said? He said, don't use vain repetitions like the heathen do, right? So paganism is all built around rituals where you're going to say a certain phrase as many times as you can, and on the thousandth time, let's say, one of the deities will come down and do what you've asked because of your repetition. That's not praying according to the will of God. Jesus said praying according to the will of God isn't so much about repetition as it is conversation. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Forgive us. Feed us. Help us. Beat the temptations we face. Amen. It's more of a conversation with a father than trying to get further through some sort of ritualistic repetition. So for those of you who have conversation with God, congrats. That's praying according to the will of God in one sense. Here's another sense. In that same Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, prayer is not a chance to be a public speaker. Remember, the pagans were using vain repetition, but the Pharisees were giving public prayers on the street corners so that everybody would give them a thumbs up, pat on the back, boy for their oratory skills. They're not praying. They're giving speeches. They're not looking for God's reward. They were looking for man's reward. And Jesus says, here's how you pray according to the will of God. You go in your closet, you close the door in secret, and God will reward you openly because you're not looking for your glory and man's applause. You're looking for God's glory. 
That's appropriate. That's praying according to the will of God. So many of you, you do not need to have the OCD about this phrase, according to the will of God, that you have. It is an important phrase to be sure. We need to be careful to know what it means and how to follow this instruction divinely given. But many of you have been discipled to pray according to the will of God in the church. Praise his name. Relax and have confidence in your prayers. But on this Sunday morning, for the sake of instruction and help, we want to go a little deeper into that question. How do we know that we're praying in the will of God? John, who writes 1 John chapter 5, wants us to have confidence. What are some elements of our prayer life that inspire confidence in our prayers? Knowing that he is hearing, listening, and moving for us. Let me give you this, first point. If you're taking notes on your service guide, the scriptures are listed. We're going to look at John 14. John 14, same writer, different book. John 14, 13 through 14. And we see a confident prayer can be prayed by utilizing, invoking the name of Jesus. As Christians, we pray in no other name. We pray in one name, and we pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus. And we don't do this out of tradition, out of religious uh, scrupulosity out of good luck we do this in sincerity and we do this purposefully and intentionally because Jesus told us to do so and gave us great promises if we will obey John 14 13 to 14 says this Jesus speaking to his disciples before the crucifixion he's speaking about the future when the Holy Spirit falls on them he says whatever you ask in my name this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So many of you know to finish your prayers in Jesus' name. When we get to the end of a prayer, we say, in your name, in Jesus' name, amen. And that is good, that is biblical, that is accurate, keep it up, good work. However, perhaps we have not been taught or have forgotten that we ought also to start our prayers in Jesus' name. We want to... That's not so much about saying his name at the wrong time, though that is wrong. It is much more about invoking his presence, his essence, his being, his character, in a way that is inappropriate and uh, ungodly. Because it's not just J-E-S-U-S. -S. It's not just those five letters that make up a name. It's the idea that when we talk about the name of Jesus, we're talking about everything he is. We're talking about the incarnation and virgin birth. We're talking about his sinless and perfect life and ministry. We're talking about his humility and help. We're talking about his bloody cross and empty tomb, his glorious ascension and soon second coming. All of it is in the name of Jesus. And when you begin your prayers with Jesus and his name, you are reoriented to pray about things that are not just important to you, but important to him. Not just about things that you find important in the moment, but that you will find important for all eternity. Not just things that you could find important, but things that you should find important. Because coming in the name of someone else is very unique. We actually don't have a whole lot in our culture that parallels to this biblical idea of coming in someone else's name. In our culture, we do have like name dropping, right? So like if I get in a group of people and I wanna seem cool 
and I want to seem smart and I want to seem sophisticated, I'm going to drop a name that they all know. Like, hey, guys, I am friends with Chet Bednar. And then everybody likes me, right? They're all like, Chet? Well, why didn't you say so? You must be the greatest guy in the world if you're friends with Chet Bednar. Right? That's name dropping, right, for our glory. Coming in someone else's name is biblically is totally different. I would say one of the closest things we have to it in our culture is the signing of a check. It's the idea that not just the name on the check, but that person and all that they have backs this up. That's more the biblical idea of coming in someone's name. Now, here's the thing. When you sign a check, right, if you are not the person, if you are not, if that is not who you are, the check doesn't go through. So, if, look, I'm, I'm not a millionaire, not yet. My mixtape hasn't dropped. You'll see it soon. But the idea, I'm not a millionaire. If you have a check, you sign it, $1 million, you fill it out, and then you sign my name to it, nothing's going to happen. Because though my name is there, my presence, my essence, I am not backing this up. I can't. Okay. Similarly, now think of the name of Jesus. When you come to God the Father with requests, those requests have to be in line with the presence and essence and character and accomplishments of Jesus to be in his name. So Jesus is not an idol maker. He's an idol crusher. So if you come to God the Father and you say, God the Father, please upgrade all of my idols in Jesus' name, nothing happens. Because the character, the work, the essence of Jesus cannot, will not back that up. But as you begin your prayers in the name of Jesus and to think on Jesus, his character, his accomplishments, what's important to him, the fact that he hates sin and loves others, and the fact that he's for the lost and wants them to be found, and the fact that he has established the church and it is his chosen vehicle to redeem the world through his gospel, as all these things come to mind, as you start to pray in his name, you start confidently bringing requests that you know his name will back up. Instead of, God, please fix everyone around me, it's, God, please fix me. Make me wise for the sake of everyone around me. Instead of, God, please give me that promotion so I can have more possession, it's, God, give me that promotion that I might serve more people. Instead of, God, I pray that that girl would go on a date with me for the sake of my ego, it's God, make me a Christ-like man who is ready and willing to take responsibility for a family. Instead of, God, give me perfect health and then we'll be done here, it's God, with whatever health I have, help me to be a healer like you were and to care for those who are sicker than I am. You see, as you pray in the name of Jesus, you become more sure of your prayers. Confidence arises and boosts because you know you are praying in the things he can, will put his name behind. So we pray in the name of Jesus. And we pray confident prayers. We add to the name of Jesus, thanksgiving to Jesus, or praise to Jesus. On your service guide, the next verse is Philippians 4. When we start verse 4 and 5, we see this. We are to pray in Jesus' name, and we are to praise in Jesus' name. Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. We are to set our prayers, we are to start our prayers, and encapsulate our prayers in the name of Jesus. 
And when we do so, we begin to contemplate Jesus as we pray. And as we contemplate the fount of every blessing, we cannot cease to give him thanks. See, the verse here is not rejoice in your circumstances because you can't always rejoice in your circumstances. It's not rejoice in your situation. You can't always rejoice in your situation. It's not rejoice in your health. You can't always rejoice in your health. It's rejoice in the Lord because you can always rejoice in the Lord. And we should always rejoice in the Lord. This is a commandment just as much as thou shalt not steal. And when our eyes are fixated on the Savior, it's easy, easy, easy to rejoice in him. Think of all he's done. Think of the punishment he bore in our place for our sins. By his stripes, we're healed. Think of all the meals you never missed. Think of all the nights under a roof. Think of all the diseases you don't have. That's because there's a gracious king above you, guiding you, loving you, protecting you, keeping you. And we must ought always praise him great is the lord and greatly to be praised let all who have breath praise the lord every cell of our body every second lifting praise to jesus with every breath we must praise jesus until our dying breath where we still praise jesus because we need every breath to practice the praise we're getting ready for for all of eternity we praise Jesus. And like praying in Jesus' name, praising in Jesus' name gives us confidence because we start to see how much he has already given us. You see, sometimes we ask for things that he's already given us, but we forgot he gave it to us because we forgot to praise him and thank him. I do this all the time in the physical realm. Every time I got to send a letter, I go buy a book of stamps. Then I send the letter, I send the bill, whatever it is, I put the book of stamps in the junk drawer and see the last five books of stamps I bought, the last five times I had to buy a letter, because I always forget, oh yeah, I bought stamps. I go out and try to get something I've already been given. We do this all the time with prayer. We pray things like, God, be with us. And that's a fine prayer. Because really, at the heart of it, you're asking God, let me be aware that you're with us. But if you start to praise God, you'll see God is with us. He'll always be with us. Psalm 48, 14, this God is our guide forever. He will be our guide even unto death. Hebrews 13, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Matthew 28, I am with you to the ends of the age. Praise God, he's with us. We pray and ask for grace. And that's great. That's fine. In a poetic sense, there's more grace coming. But in a practical sense, he gave us 100% of his grace at the cross. Jesus is his grace, and you have all of Jesus. It's not like God is withholding 1% of his grace that you can eke out of him through prayer. He's already given you all the grace you could ever have, muster, need. You are smothered in grace, and we begin to praise God. You see, not that you need grace, but that you have grace. And you're all the more confident to pray in his name. Because if he's already given you himself, won't he freely give you all things? He's already given you most things, won't he help you through whatever's next? To our praise, we add petition. Petition. Continuing in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication, which means to beg, 
With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What an awesome invitation. Let your requests be made known. This is the great invitation of prayer. God already knows what you need before you ask of it. He told us this in the Gospels. But he has invited you to make those requests known to him, to vocalize it, to cry out to him. And he's invited you to lay those requests down at his feet, whatever they are. There is no stipulation. There is no fear. There is no shame to hold requests back. There is no nervousness on whether or not your requests will be right or good or holy enough. Just make your requests known to God in exchange for the request, whether it's reasonable or ridiculous, isn't stated. So he's invited us to give requests to him. And in exchange, he gives us peace. Right? Like, I love when my kids do this. They wake up at 8 a.m. and ask for ice cream. They're welcome to ask. <laughs> they uh, wake up on Sunday morning and ask to go to Chuck E. Cheese, and they're welcome to ask. And in exchange, I will work for their peace. Alden, you're getting yogurt. It's 8 a.m. because I love you and you need some peace. And obesity and diabetes ain't gonna bring that to you, right? Marin, we're not going to Chuck E. Cheese, we're going to church. It's Sunday morning, and long-term, this will bring you peace. You see, no matter what we request, peace ensues because we put this in the hands of God. Now, interestingly, and we need to state this and know this, many times, not just sometimes, not once in a blue moon, but many times our requests and God's peace match up. And this is what we call an answer to prayer. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, wonderful, life-giving thing. God does answer prayer. Prayer does work. Prayer is answered. God moves. Sometimes God moves right along with what we've requested because it is what brings us peace. The other day, my kids are home like your kids. They're watching TV all day. I was cool with that under the circumstances. But in the middle of watching TV, Marin said, Dad, you know, can we paint? We had just gotten some paint supplies from the store, washable, Crayola, uh, you know, Paint brushes, paper, all this stuff, because we knew we were going to have to do activities with him. And uh, Marin and Alden, a little extra because they're going to be home so much. And so in the middle of TV, she goes, hey, can we paint? And I was glad to set it all up and to let her have at it. And she painted some really cool pictures, and it was for her joy and her peace. I want you to know this, that sometimes you come to the Father and you say, listen, I need something. I got to have it. This is what's going on. This is my pain. This is what I have asked for. This is my request. Sometimes he gives you peace with a no. Sometimes, many times, he gives you peace with yes. He loves to answer prayer. And we can have confidence that he will. For he has said, bring your request to me. Make your request known to God. And in exchange, I give you peace. I want to hit one last story. One last story for those who need confidence in prayer. And it's one of my favorite stories about prayer, and it's Luke 18. Luke 18, chapter 18, verse 1 through 8. Jesus here is specifically giving his disciples confidence in prayer. In fact, this is how it starts. Luke 18, verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint or to lose heart or to lose confidence. 
So here is Jesus saying, guys, you can be confident in this invitation to pray. In fact, you should always pray. Don't lose your confidence in this thing. This is real. And he goes to tell a story about its realness. And he says in verse 2, there is in a city a judge. It's a parable saying, uh, the judge feared not God, nor regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came to him saying, avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I don't fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. And the Lord said to her, hear what the unjust judge saith. Right? He's going to give this old lady her request just at a frequency of her coming. Shall not God avenge his own elect? which cry day and night to him, though he bear long with them, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when he, the Son of Man cometh, when he returns, will he even find faith on the earth? He will answer the frequent prayers of the saints. We pray in Jesus' name, we praise Jesus, we petition Jesus, and we do so frequently. We've been invited to a frequency of prayer over and over. Pray over and over. Now, this is not vain repetitions like we talked about earlier. This is multiple conversations. Vain repetition is when you say the same sentence a thousand times without your mind. What we're talking about is having the same conversation with God a thousand times fully in your mind. And here's a question for you. Have you done this? The things you've prayed for, have you prayed for them with frequency over and over conversations with the Father about what you need? Jesus himself in this text is promoting this idea and saying, in essence, if an unjust judge will take care of the people who continually bombard his court, will not the just judge of the earth, who actually likes us, loves us, and wants us, reward those who continually bombard, bombard his court? Just like what Jesus said in Matthew 7, if an evil father knows how to give good gifts to his children who ask for bread, he won't give them a stone. How much more will your heavenly father give you what you need? So what is it that you need? Perhaps it's not that you don't have faith. It's that you don't have frequency. And sometimes frequency shows our faith. That it's not just something we're hoping for out of covetousness or on a whim, but it's something we truly have faith that only God could provide and only God can do, and that God will indeed take care of us in whatever way we're asking him to do so. I remember when I was a kid, fifth grade, going to school in my city, Indianapolis, where I was living, fifth grade is when we started band and orchestra. And they laid out all the instruments, and they said, you need to pick one because you're going to be in the band. You have to. You're going to be in the band. You're going to be in the orchestra at school. And so one of the sections was called percussion, and there were drums there, and I immediately fell in love. Snare drum, bass drum, all the drums, even the little triangle thing I was pretty fond of. And so I, I, I went for it. I said, I went home. I had told my dad, we're doing band. We're doing orchestra. I need some drums. I asked my dad the next day, and the next day, and sometimes multiple times a day because he was a little hesitant, as you might imagine, right? Going to work, getting your marching orders, then coming home to a kid in a really bad marching band. He would never have peace again, ever. And he knew this. I mean, this was going to be a problem. 
And so he was hesitant, like he should have been. And so I asked him again and again, and over the weekend, and on Sundays, and I asked him in the morning and at night, and I was like, give me some drums, let me play drums. I only had a month to decide which instrument I was gonna do for the band and orchestra. And so I'm begging him. And finally, he had to ask me just to give him a minute because I was so frequently entreating him on this issue. He said, don't ask me for like a week. I remember as a fifth grader, I was so uh, depressed that I hadn't had my drums yet. I remember being in my bed at night one night crying about this because I knew I was destined to be the greatest drummer in the world. And that never really came to fulfillment, but it did have a lot of fun. Eventually, after a few days of me just kind of taking it back a second, my dad said, let's go to the store. And I thought we were going to Costco because that's where all dads go. And I was like gearing up for Costco, getting lost in the midst of all the surplus. But we didn't go to Costco. We drove to a store called the Drum Center of Indianapolis. My dad went in and like a dad, he negotiated the price down and he got me some drums. And I played drums in the band and orchestra at my little school Junior high and high school, for my joy, it was a blast. At least for me. I don't know about for those listening, but I had fun. And in one sense, that's a silly story about a kid asking his dad for some noisemakers, and his dad finally just saying, fine. In another sense, it's the story that Jesus is telling with the widow and the unjust judge. In another sense, it's the same concept, that the frequency shows you mean it. And that you know, dad, father, God, and king is the only one who can provide it. And your frequency is showing faith that he indeed will and would and can and could. And he honors such frequency, invites us to frequency so that we might be confident when he answers and find faith on the earth when he returns. See, we have been invited to prayer and we've been invited to confidence in our prayer that he listens, that he hears, that he works in and through our prayers. First John 5, 14 and 15, this is the confidence that we have toward him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us in whatever we ask, that we have the requests we have asked of him. So don't grow faint, lose heart, lose confidence, gain confidence, pray in Jesus' name, praise Jesus, petition Jesus with frequency and confidence in him. It's the greatest invitation in all the world, prayer life, to pray to the king and to come before him with anything we got whenever we want. In fact, we're gonna do that right now as a church. Our brother and my friend TC, it's gonna come up and he is gonna pray. And here's what we want. We want revival in our neighborhood. Our church is all about the Poe Mill neighborhood. We want everyone in Poe Mill to know Jesus, to get saved, and by God's grace for many of them, though other churches will be involved, to come to our church, be baptized and discipled because we have a heart for them and we love them. 